We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm and Brian Rippey joining me this uh, evening. Just for full disclosure, it is 6.53 p.m. as I hit the record button. That is relevant because Marcel Reed has decommitted from Ole Miss and he says he's picking his next school. And uh, about seven minutes from now, he said seven o'clock. Recruits are not always necessarily on time, but should that pop up while we're talking in the early part of the show, just let you know we are seeing that in real time as well. So we'll hit that, some other uh, football topics today here with you and a few more uh, things. Also, on a podcast brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Lunch specials change every day, but you get any size fountain drink. You get bread with those. You can get uh, ribs for dinner. They'll wrap them up, have them ready to go, wet or dry, and you can have your selection there with uh, the Blue Sky location here locally in Oxford or many other Blue Sky locations throughout Mississippi, up and down I-55, and throughout North Mississippi as well. Coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900. That's in Amory, Mississippi. Corey wants to be your car guy, wants to be your truck guy. He'll help you out. So no matter where you are in the car buying process, let Corey help. Let him take care of you, give you some tips, give you a uh, a price, hook you up in what is a, a different car market than it's ever been before right now going on with, uh, with Clark Ford. And then I guess sort of kind of Brian joining me on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline, Raptors on the Square in Oxford in New Albany cocktails, po'boys, TVs, let them uh, take care of you this weekend. Head on in, get some food, get some drinks, watch some games, whatever it is there with Rafters in Oxford. Brian, you a, you a wet rib or a dry rib guy? All right, so dry means no sauce on it, right? I, uh, I just correct. prefer to have the sauce and everything on there. Um, I like ribs. They're very good when done correctly. Um, I don't know how to make ribs, so I guess I'd go wet rib guy. But uh, if you're dry, hey, I guess different strokes for different folks. What's So do dry people just not like sauce or do they put it on on their own? Some people put it on the side. I'm a dry rib guy and I don't like sauce. I would rather just have the bark and the crust. And if the rib's done correctly, I'm good just like that. Maybe a little bit of really, really vinegary sauce. You know, the real thin kind of 
not spicy, but you know, got a little got a little bite to it. Not brown sugar or tomato or anything like that for the most part. Um, so yeah, that's my thing. But I, I mean, look, a, a, a rib's a rib. It, it, it's hard to screw up a rib, and they're usually pretty decent. So can't complain. But usually dry. Okay. I mean, I could definitely screw up a rib. You give me a rack of those things and people have all kinds of diseases we haven't seen since the Oregon Trail. But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I get your point on that. I, I So you're not like a, so you like the tangy stuff. Like I, I'm more of like a sweet barbecue guy when it comes to that type of thing. No, I want the vinegar. I want the heat. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm fine with whatever, but no, a sweet sauce is not my move on a barbecue sauce. I keep okay. several bottles of, I, I can't remember even the name of the, the brand name, which is probably bad for product placement on uh on my pantry shelf usually and it's a it's a thin vinegar kind of barbecue sauce and i'll put that stuff on i mean even more than pulled pork or ribs i put it on a lot of stuff it works i'm so. just a commenter here i don't have uh i don't have barbecue plugs and all of that so i'll just take whatever <laughs> i can get but uh i, I see i, I could see both sides of it so we're gonna get a couple of the things but i loaded by the time people have heard this i will have loaded your podcast you thought you talked to uh I was going to say a self-proclaimed NIL expert. I don't know if that's the correct way to phrase that or not, but uh, spend 30, 60 seconds, kind of outline who you talk to and what your uh, your most recent show's about, because it's pretty interesting, and I might even dovetail into that a little bit as our show moves on tonight. Yeah, absolutely. It's a guy named Jason Belzer. He's a uh, former D1 athlete, so he played football under uh, Greg Schiano at Rutgers, um, went to law school, became an attorney, um, I think it's been in the agent space pretty much ever since he's still actually an active agent that represents a couple of players, um, but has been big in the NIL space, I guess, as a former athlete, uh, one of his friends, I believe actually his college quarterback got lumped in to basically kind of the conglomerate of what that was original suit that kind of kickstarted this NIL thing on the, uh, oh, it's an O'Bannon, the NCAA video game thing that kind of kickstarted this whole thing. So that his buddy's case got lumped into that and is really just kind of been on the forefront of the nil space uh since uh he has a thing called student athlete nil it's an organization that has like a you know an annual conference and all that or i think they try to educate people just on nil i think predominantly players but people uh you know other people as well and they have collectives on different campuses so he's a guy that's really just been following this since you know way before i even thought it was a thing and i just kind of wanted to pitch him some questions about like how this got started and the future of it um, I was more interested in the future aspect, even though I did a bunch of reading on like the uh, kind of how this all came to be. But just like what is NIL? And the, I don't want to spoil too much of the pod, but like the general premise is he thinks it's a stopgap for these guys eventually becoming full time employees, revenue sharing, all of that jazz. He fully understands how complicated that aspect of things are. But just a really smart guy that made sense of the NIL landscape, I think, maybe before then than you know most people that work in it now did and uh i learned a lot from it he's a super sharp guy and uh one of those old stephanie rippy esquire contacts that i uh, just shot it out to and he responded so uh it went well i would say yeah again i don't want to get into your podcast too much so i'll kind of leave it there i the employee thing while interesting neil and i kind of talked about it on thursday night a little bit but we had other stuff going on too we were getting a lot of calls the employee and tax portion fascinates me to where that just complicates it to an nth degree and then also from the standpoint of the school would be in charge of setting salaries and paying all the different you know extended fees and whatnot of having employees i think that's the i think that would be the beginning of your olympic sports or at least some of your olympic sports becoming 
university funded club sports instead of actually athletic department ventures at that point. I think you're, I think the actual athletic department at that point would be down to just a revenue full sports. Yeah, because you'd have to get into revenue sharing. And that was kind of one of the guy's main points in that is like, well, you know, if they are employees, there will be a revenue sharing thing. I don't know many companies that make a bunch of money for their company and then don't take like any portion of it by the stretch of the, like, you know what I mean? So what does that actually look like? They'd have to have some sort of players union and they'd have to collectively bargain. And, you know, without a commissioner of college football and conference having specific rights to it, it dovetails into a really just kind of complicated conversation. But you're exactly right because the minute you get into the guys actually making the money and that's not a slide on like women's sports or any, or I say women's sports, non-revenue generating sports. That's not really a slide on that because that's not really what college athletics were intended to be when they were founded. But where does that leave them? If the guys making this absurd amount of money for these institutions start getting into a revenue sharing piece of it, because it's a very simplistic way to look at it. But I mean, the way the NIL started was like, the NCAA kind of forced their own hand by appealing that verdict and taking it all the way to the Supreme Court where they lost their antitrust exemption. But it was also kind of like, all right, well, you can't have any of our monies, but go make your own type of thing. So where does that leave all these other sports that are funded by football if a revenue sharing model takes place? I think you're exactly right. The very simplistic comparison that I make, and this is not perfect by any means, but yes, it's not just football with football's money paying out with with football it's that they're paying for tennis and golf and all these different things that are going on it would be like is it is it stan Kroenke who owns the rams is, is he yeah. who owns arsenal too Ars that guy right? owns i went into a rabbit hole on him a while back that guy owns every team you can think of arsenal i think he owns the nuggets real salt lake like yeah big owner the avalanche he has them too yeah. um it was my, my point is and obviously the avalanche makes money but my point is, I mean, sorry, the Avalanche, the Ar obviously Arsenal makes money. But point being, it would be like every one of his other ventures only being funded by the Cubs or the, the, the Rams money. The Rams would have to pay everything else. Well, it doesn't work like that. That's not how business works. That's not the deal. But that was what that is what it would look like if you had a revenue sharing standpoint where it's not just one sport taking care of itself. It's one sport taking care of every other venture. And that's just not even doable. It, it would break things up in a number of ways. And I mean, I could say, I, I'm I'm, I'm going to avoid this because I've been harping on it for a while, but it would be another blow toward what I feel like is if they don't fix it and they very well may, and this may be a moot point, we're headed down the bottom or the, the backside of a bell curve with, with college football right now because of just kind of everything going on if they don't find some way to fix it. But anyway, on a, I say on the field, but it's not. It's on the recruiting trail. Uh, Marcel Reed, the uh, the quarterback out of Tennessee, who has been committed to Ole Miss for a while. Um, he has decommitted. Let me find the uh, the exact verbiage that he used here uh, just within the last hour or so. Remember, we are taping the night before, so that's why I say this. Marcel Reed, he says, uh, at 6.05 p.m. from Nashville, that's where he's from, December 19th, First, I would like to uh, – okay, sorry, now it's popping up. I need to see the whole thing. First, I would like to thank God for the opportunity and gift given to me as an athlete. Without him, my recruitment would be nothing. I want to thank Oxford, Mississippi for the love shown and the coaches at the University of Mississippi for recruiting me throughout this year. Last, a thanks to my family for helping me make such an important and tough decision in my life that will be with us forever. I will be decommitting from Ole Miss and will be announcing where I'm going at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, thank you to everyone who has been a part 
he said a part, but he meant a part of this journey. I will still be signing Wednesday, December 21st at noon, location to be determined. What's your initial reaction there? And then we'll get into it a little bit. Um, it's a big loss. It is. It's, it's, it, you know, that was the quarterback in this class for Ole Miss. I don't pretend to know a ton about Marcel Reed because I don't dive a ton into the recruiting space of these last couple of weeks. Walter and I will do a show on Wednesday night, Thursday, whatever, something. And, after. and real quick, he has flipped. We'll call it a flip, even though we decommitted to Texas A&M. Okay. So he just announced for Texas A&M in real time. I, uh, that's interesting in a lot of different ways because, He'd been committed to Ole Miss for what? I don't know, a few months. Like it seemed like a while, kind of a steadfast. Um, felt like felt pretty good about the guy. And then he goes to AM. He had a tweet a couple of weeks ago on December 9th, I believe, that said NIL, what's up? Um, I guess that's the modern day equivalent of just shooting out your Venmo handle to folks. I don't really know what the goal of that tweet was. I assume it was to not to just remain amateur status and have his bank account empty. But I thought that was interesting because Lane Kiffin retweeted it. Um, and then he goes to the school that's kind of become the poster child of they can just go get anyone because they have an endless NIL fund, which will spawn all kinds of interesting message board threads about that. But I really don't know what to think about it. Um, to be completely honest, it would be hard pressed without knowing much about the rest of the situation to think that it's anything other than NIL driven when you kind of juxtapose his decision versus what has been shown on the field the last couple of years, right? I mean, other than that Zach Calzada game against Alabama, where he just, I guess, had a stroke of God that night, A&M hasn't been very successful at the quarterback position. They had a really, really terrible year. Um, other than that, I don't really know what it would be. Maybe he can get on the field, like, literally immediately, and they came I do. No, when, here's the thing, though. I like the Connor Wegman kid at A&M that was a freshman that played against Ole Miss. I, I, I think he's got a lot of talent. He was a big-time recruit. He's still probably the quarterback next year. I mean, that's there, – again, there's a couple things here. First, yes, whether it is or isn't or whatever, and again, it's – the NCAA has basically has no teeth and has deemed it fairly legal to do whatever every – let's call – I mean, it's paper play. It's not even an I.O. It's just straight paper play. Um, they deem that to be whatever. But, yes, that tweet on December 9th that says, what's the word, question mark, hashtag N.I.L., that again, Lane retweeted here within the last uh, the last thirty minutes or so. That would give you some thoughts that it is uh, driven by that somewhat. Ole Miss has a quarterback situation that would get Reed on the field at least on paper faster than A and M did, just simply because their starting quarterback is a year older. I mean, common math there for the uh, for the He'd most part. Quicker than A and M. Do what? He would get on the field quicker at A and M. You mean? Well, no, I mean, no, because Webman was a freshman. I mean, Dart was technically a second-year sophomore or a second-year freshman or whatever. I mean, in theory, it's possible the A&M kid is at A&M longer than Dart is at Ole Miss um, okay. if they okay. believe in those guys. Fair, but do you not read that as the opposite? I mean, look, I like the Wegman kid, too. I thought he was fine in the Ole Miss game, particularly in the first but half. Here, but Marcel Reed is not ready to start, and I get, it's, I get it's perception and reality, and I get if the kid thinks he's ready to start, A&M will tell him whatever they got to tell him to get there, but – I think he's got a lot of tools. I think he's going to be a good quarterback potentially, but he's not this kid who's ready to step in day one and go lead this thing. I don't think you'd want to sit behind either kid for the entirety of that time. If you were Marcel Reed, what would, if you, if someone presented to you, could I beat out Connor Wegman or could I beat out Jackson Dart quicker? What would be your answer? Because I think it's an interesting question because I'll throw it with a qualifier. 
Is there any piece do you think Jimbo saw that, yeah, this Wegman kid's awesome, but he can't run? And they've had a lot of that lately. I know Haynes King can run a little bit, but like, I wonder if there's any piece of that to open up what is a very antiquated offense and really just raise your quarterback floor with mobility. Do you think there's any piece of that to it? Like, who who do you think you could beat out quicker? Because Dart can run. Yeah, there's a possibility there. I mean, I think I mean I'm I think you and I are on the same page. I think Dart's set up for if the Ole Miss can replace the wide receiver position at all. I think he's set up for a really, really big 2023. I think he's one of the top returning quarterbacks in the in the conference. He's only going to get better. He was better this year than Matt's first year um, yeah. as, a, as a starting quarterback. Um, so, no, I mean, yeah, I agree with that completely. I think that's fair. You know, Ole Miss is in a weird spot as we sort of transition away from A&M because more people are worried about what's going to happen with Ole Miss. This is, it, at least as of now, because we're talking about less than 48 hours from National Signing Day when this kid decommits. I mean, Marcel Reed was go- is going to sign with somebody, and it looks like A&M, on December the 21st. So Ole Miss losing him here in the final hours prior to National Signing Day, that would be two years in a row that they do not sign a high school quarterback. Um, what that means or what that doesn't mean, that is up for interpretation. Because, you know, I think high school quarterbacks are still pretty important in a couple different ways is I do think they have patience to sometimes wait that second year. They see depth charts. They choose schools. It's not always – even if they think it is a recruit, they get on campus and realize how much goes into starting. And a lot of times they will be at least patient into that second year. And then second, and we'll see what happens. You can't fully judge Ole Miss until they line up in August and you see who Lane's found to be the backup quarterback. But as of right now – it's hard to find a really, really competent quarterback to come in knowing he has no chance to start out of the portal because most portal kids want to either want a job or they want to be able to compete for a job, and there's no doubt that Jackson Dart is the starting quarterback at Ole Miss. So it's much easier to get talent out of the high school ranks coming into the program than it is to go pluck some kid out of the portal that knows going in he's simply a backup quarterback or waiting on an injury or one of those things. You would – I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You can correct me, but in off the top of my head, that feels like you're probably getting a lesser quarterback to do that versus if you were trying to win a, a high-level recruiting battle out of a high school kid. Uh, I think you're exactly right, and I think it's it's important to have two functional quarterbacks at all times because as we learned from this four-man playoff thing and the weird anti-expansion people, they're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt if a quarterback goes down for a game or really any sort of extended period of time. So it's really, I mean, I guess it's always been this way. I should say it turned to the NFL, but it's 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 become even more important to have a competent backup so your season's not wrecked if your starting guy goes down for a bit because it seems like the name of the game is just keep these guys healthy and pray you can get them through 12 games because, right, like Tennessee loses to South Carolina in a route, but they lose Hendon Hooker in that game, and they've really kind of been penalized in the polls uh, in a lot of ways and their perception and their outside chance of maybe making the playoff because they didn't have Hendon Hooker, which I never really understood. So, yeah, I think having a guy in there that can come in and be competent immediately is important, and I think you're right. I think you might get a diminished version um, of a backup quarterback if you're going in the portal instead of, you know, a high school kid that's kind of waiting in the wings. Now, I say all that, and it's so hard to evaluate quarterbacks in general. You take it to the highest level of football all the way down to high school recruiting. I mean, these kids don't pan out. Shea Patterson. I mean, you go through the, you know, I like going on 247 or the composite. I guess I should say rivals. They may have it too, but just the easiest one to access. 
where you go through the top five rankings of like quarterback classes each year. And you're like, oh, this guy didn't do well. Oh, this guy's at a second school. Oh, this guy kind of panned out. And then it's like more not pan outs than it is. So I think you're right in that. But I guess my point is it's hard to evaluate quarterbacks. And could they bring in a kid like Jordan Tiamu, who no one knew who he was when he came in and then turned out to be a really productive SEC quarterback? I, I don't know. Um, so they are going to need another quarterback. I mean, look, unless they sign another one in 48 hours, you're basically in the same position as last year. You have to go sign one, right? You can't enter the spring with two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, which would be uh, Jackson Dart and then Ken K. Dent, assuming he stays. But is without knowing anything about the situation, is Ken K. Dent a lock to stay? He's a guy that really likes Ole Miss. He comes from an Ole Miss family. He's been in the program a long time. Maybe it's my J.A. bias, but I don't think he's like, – I think he could go play somewhere. I think he could go to a group of five school and get on the field. At what point does he do that at 21 years old? You know what I mean? Like, what if he gets in the portal – in January, then what are you going to do, right? So they're weirdly going to be in the same position as last year, which I didn't necessarily think would be the case, even if the whole thing hinged on the fact that this Reed kid would uh, maintain his commitment, and if he didn't, they would. Podcast is brought to you by Style Assembly, Oxford's newest women's boutique on the square, clothing, jewelry, shoes, purses, sunglasses, accessories, and more. The folks at Style Assembly know it's a pain for guys to shop for ladies sometimes. So that's why they simplify the process with wish lists. Just have her fill out a list at the store or over the phone. Kate, the owner, and her team will keep it on file. So all you have to do is call or stop by, choose something off the list. You'll get the exact gift she wants down to the correct colors and sizes. They'll gift wrap it for you for free. It's perfect for Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, Mother's Days, or any special occasion. They ship straight to your door if you don't live near Oxford. And they have gift cards. They can even wrap those up. If you don't know what she wants, let her take care of it. Stop by the store, 203 North Lamar, next to Blind Pig, 662-638-3163, or DM Shop Style Assembly on social media to place an order as well. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark. They have two packages available. You know that by now, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the 1 gig, the Powers, the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. It's the best internet in Lafayette County. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. It's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159, phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So, again, call the office, Lafayette County, Pontotoc, Union County, 662-238-3159. Podcast also brought to you by Prime Shrimp. Seven different flavors directly from the bag. They ship them straight to your door, including the newest option, the New Orleans-style barbecue. It's become my favorite. Tried it a few days ago. It's outstanding if you like the uh, kind of the Cajun flavors of the barbecue shrimp from South Louisiana. Give it a try. Give plenty of their other ones a try. They've got the full meals in a bag. That's the French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb, butter as well. Plenty of different options depending on what you want. They've even got the two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp for those who want that grocery store kind of package. Higher quality shrimp from PrimeShrimp.com. Use code MPW for $20 off. Your first order with Prime Shrimp. Again, that's PrimeShrimp.com. Podcast brought to you in part by G&M Pharmacy, 662-236-2222. They deliver locally in the Oxford area, and they offer MedSync. Fill your prescriptions the same day each month. Take care of you. One trip to the pharmacy, one delivery. Everything you need right where you need it with G&M. Also, if you want to transfer your medications, make one phone call. They take care of the rest. Everything is done for you. Again, with G&M, 662-236. 362222. And then last but certainly not least, Johnston Hill Creamery. They do great stuff for the holidays. They still have some of their holiday boxes available. If you're looking for a gift for the cheese lover in your life, they make all their cheeses locally and in-house every single day. 
They're available to order online at johnsonhillcreamery.com, or you can give them a call. Pickup available until December 23rd. They just need 24 hours notice in some cases. They don't need any notice in some cases, depending on what it is you are looking for. 662-419-9201. Again, holiday boxes. They've got the dozen cookies for Santa. Plenty of things that make great last-minute gifts there with Johnson Hill Creamery. That's johnsonhillcreamery.com. Yeah, you know, Jordan Tiamu is the best example of something working out exactly as we're talking about because he is a guy that transferred in knowing that Shea Patterson was on the roster and everybody expecting it just to be Shea's job and him to be this whatever we thought Shea was at the time. And instead, you get the injury and Jordan comes in. And, yeah, he ends up being a really, really good SEC quarterback. He has a, he has his nice career. He sets some records, gets on some lists, all that kind of stuff. But that's not an overly common thing. What this does – Unless Ole Miss signs a high school quarterback either, again, in the next 24 hours or through February. There's one of those signing days, too. It's not necessarily over, even though most quarterbacks have made their decision. It sets Ole Miss up as simply being a quarterback portal school because you don't have that high school kid that sort of offsets that and he's waiting on the job. You go into this season needing a backup. That's most likely out of the portal or a JUCO recruit or whatever that looks like to get the extra guy. And then if Jackson Dart has a really good season in 2023, it's very possible he goes pro. Then you're having to go into the portal to find your starting quarterback where you're one of the candidates to go get the guys like the, you know, the Caleb Williams, the Spencer Rattlers, the Dylan Gabriels, the Jackson Darts, one of those guys where you have to get a dude going into the next season. So really what this does is it puts your backup spot into a weird spot right now, but it more sets in motion what we see in the future, which is whenever Dart is done, you're in the position that you have to go dominate the portal from a quarterback standpoint at that at that time. And it's not today's problem, but it's just sort of that credit card, card bill that's out there waiting to happen, and you're going to have to pay it at some point. Maybe you hit a home run. Maybe you get another Jackson Dart. Maybe it's fine and it's no big deal. But it doesn't close a storyline. Signing Marcel Reed would at least give him a breather to – have a backup everybody knew, even though he wouldn't be ready this season, and have somebody who was sort of working toward as the is the heir apparent, if you will, and that and that's that's kind of gone now. Um, you know, even if if, if Kincaid, Kincaid Dent stays, he plays again. He can be very productive. I mean, Kincaid's been in this system for a long time. It's not a knock on him whatsoever, but Lane's probably not going into any season with Kincaid as the starter. So. This makes it where this year and next year Ole Miss is at the top of, in a different way, a need for a portal quarterback to keep the program moving forward. Has he signed a high school quarterback since he's been at Ole Miss? Uh, Kate Rimpro, who went to Arkansas. Is that the only one? He signed him? What happened? Kate, what? He showed up and then left, right? I think Rimpro actually signed. I've never heard of this person. You could tell me he works at Bank Plus, and I'd be like, "All right, cool." So that I don't, I don't doubt you on that. That's, but I mean, that gets into the larger discussion about Lane and high school recruiting, right? Because these next thirty-six hours and how this finishes, from just sheerly a perception standpoint, on early signing day is important, right? I don't think they can necessarily afford to have. Oh, I say afford to have another year. They can be fine, but I don't think it will work well in their favor to have another early signing period where most of the fan base and rightfully so with the way it played out is left thinking, well, what could have been, wasn't type of thing. I think they, 
from a perception standpoint, a strong finish was needed. Does the Marcel Reed kids decommitment totally derail that? Um, no, but it's not a great sign less than 46 hours outside of signing day, right? I mean, the fact that he hasn't signed a high school quarterback that he really wanted to, um, assuming this Renfro kid exists, I didn't hear a ton of buzz about him them wanting to land him pretty hard. Uh, like that, does that speak to anything to you? Because He's about to enter year four as his on-field foot as an on-field coach without signing a high school quarterback. That doesn't seem uh, normal to say the least. You understood how it happened last year, and nobody yeah. really, you know, nobody criticized him for the most part. It was understood. He signed Renfro. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Cade Renfro was out of Stevensville, Stevenville, Texas. 6'4", 190 pounder. He signed with Ole Miss uh, early signing day. December of 19, so the 2020 class, right after Lane got the job. He was in that, and then he was here for a little while. Might have even gotten some trouble. I hate to be too vocal on that because I don't know what actually came out of that, but I, I heard some different things. And then he ended up at Arkansas, and he tore his ACL this past season, but he was one of the backup quarterbacks prior to that of K.J. Jefferson for the Rebels. So I guess had he stayed healthy, he might have been somebody who was playing Ole Miss there toward the end of the year, but unless, and, and I'm looking right now just to make sure I'm right, but off the top of my head, that's the only one. Um, the, so now the Cade Renfro thing, once you said Stevenville, I actually do remember who said alleged person is here because that's the Jevin Sneed high school, right? That's where he went to high school. I believe Chad Morris is the coach there at the time. So that now that is ringing a little bit of a bell, but he hasn't landed that prize quarterback recruit. I'll and then obviously you. Luke Altmaier. I mean, we are forgetting Altmaier here. Not oh, he did sign Altmaier. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I screwed that up. So he definitely has signed a high school quarterback. That's on me just in real time. I don't know why I just thought Altmaier was like a loot guy, but it just kind of came in. You had the weird COVID recruiting year. So you're right. He does deserve credit. He did sign Luke Altmaier. Yeah, I mean, Luke Altmaier is a four-star quarterback who was signed out of Starkville. And they um, technically but... flipped him from Florida State. So, you know, you deserve credit for that. Who's that kid? Who's the kid that was a pretty highly rated kid out of California? And then I believe he got real sick Um, in terms of – like actual sickness of uh, Waterman. Uh, I think he, the kid got Hodgkin's lymphoma. Do you remember this at all? And I think he came to Ole Miss as a walk-on. I don't know if he's healthy. I really don't know. I don't mean to be like uh, flipping about oh, it. Really? I don't know, I don't know what happened to the kid at all. Uh, like, do you put any stock to that? I, I it, From the sounds of it, you don't because you make it no. look like you're looking at me like, oh, yeah. I don't know who this guy is. I actually, I can't take full credit for this. I remembered it. And then one of our, one of your subscribers put a thread on the board about what happened to this kid uh waterman yeah from bakersfield california i think he was a pretty highly rated kid and then he got sick and things like maybe i have this wrong i don't actually now that i say this i can't find what story is i'm just curious if you put any stock to that and him having any sort of future in the program i have not heard that from anybody around the program that that is something that they are counting on in any degree so i mean Beyond that, no idea. Um, but yeah, that's not something that had come to my attention from 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 that point. No, I mean it's 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 two years in a row without a quarterback. Again, should they end up not signing one? Um, as we close this thing out, it, it, look, it's a loss. Marcel Reed's a really talented guy. You know how ready is he? Where does he stand in the the pecking order? Well, that's been something that people have debate. You know, we're debating even when. He was an old Miss commit and looked like he was headed for Lane Kiff Kiffin's system moving forward. I mean, that is what everybody's been talking about. Um, so, no, it's a loss. Uh, 
and it means they're portal heavy. I mean, portal, 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 very, very portal heavy for the next couple of years with that. You know, you you mentioned it leading in, and I, I guess I did too because I read the tweet. Lane Kiffin retweeting Marcel Reed's NIL tweet. Now, Reed was stupid. You shouldn't do that. It's bringing on crap for no reason, even though that's the name of the game and that's the way this thing works, and it is what it is. I mean, it, there's, there's no way around that. But it's, you know – if you're Lane, though, retweeting it, probably pissed off, probably frustrated, probably felt like you did plenty to keep the kid, and it looks like he's simply getting pocket-booked it out of, out of your program fewer than 48 hours from signing day. I get it. I understand the fr- fr- frustration completely. And I'm not all the way – I'm not even necessarily criticizing him, but Ole Miss has been very – public, um, especially when they were trying to keep Lane from Auburn and all that stuff was going on about their $10 million in their um, in their war chest, if you will, for NIL, for the improvements in that way. And now, look, A&M's been on a different level than everybody outside of Georgia. Georgia looks like they're the record, record holder right now, but A&M's right there. But in some ways, are you sending negative PR through your own program when you re- retweet something like that? I mean, are you bringing attention to an inadequacy, which is is something that, you know, it's been kind of been a, a weakness of Lane's. He has a hard time sometimes, as good as he is with PR in a lot of ways, he has some times where he really struggles with PR as in there's no reason to be self-deprecating. You should always sort of be pepping up your own school and promoting the positives of where you are. With Ole Miss's NIL situation as is, what did you sort of make of him retweeting that tweet? I'm glad you brought this up. That was my first reaction. And it was interesting in the last you know hour or two kind of reading up um, on kind of where Mar- Marcel Reed was considering. Other than that, it seemed to be Auburn and Texas A&M were the other two primary suitors. It almost been more fascinating had the kid chosen Auburn, because I think that would have made the retweet that you're referring to. Um, I won't say inexcusable, but even more myth- mystifying because of the whole Lane Kiffin to Auburn saga, which many a thread has been made about that one. But, you know, Lane stayed at Ole Miss um, throughout the Auburn thing. It felt like he was putting Ole Miss's feet to the fire from an NIL standpoint. They went super public on the $10 million and announcing all of that. And the fact that, no, this Chris Lowe thing he said on radio is not true. Like we are competitive. We are, we do have a pretty big word chest. But then he goes to the school that Lane has been basically just making fun of for having unlimited pocketbooks uh, since the time he got here and NIL became a thing. So I guess that's a little bit of a different situation. But to answer your question, my first reaction to that was shaking my head no. Like, no, you can't do that now. And maybe I'm wrong because I don't know the inner workings of how any of this played out. But just the sheer fact that he did the whole NIL thing. We talked about this on the phone a few times over the last couple of weeks to where now that he's at Ole Miss, he's being paid you know, $9 million a year or close to it. They made the NIL public that they have a very competitive NIL fund. This is now all on Lane Kiffin. You know, One of the side effects of the way he handled the Auburn thing, in my opinion, as I view this 2023 season, as we were talking about like big picture storylines, is this is now all on Lane Kiffin. Um, this is now all on him. Uh, that you know he doesn't really have the excuses of the facilities or the NIL in particular and all of that this is now on him to go produce the results of a nine million dollar a year football coach which will put him in the top what five in the country in terms of 
highest paid coaches. And so when they lose a recruit and then he immediately goes back and kind of cryptically retweets uh, the kid that they lost regarding NIL, I, I just don't think that speaks uh, that reeks of self-awareness um, by any stretch of the imagination, because again, you just held their foot to the fire. They answered it enough for you to stay. And now you're going to start insinuating that they don't have enough NIL to keep the one quarterback that they seemingly identified and wanted for a long period of time. I just don't think that adds up. And I don't think any Ole Miss fan that has any sort of sense as to how this played out will buy that either. Uh, I think the whole, we're just Ole Miss. We don't have enough NIL money. That excuse is now out the door, whether it's relevant or not relevant. I don't know because we don't have the books on this whole thing, but I don't think that's relevant anymore because of the way the Auburn thing played out. And I just find that a peculiar way to handle things as I continually do. I caught a bunch of shit for uh, making fun of Lane's Twitter throughout the egg bowl, whatever, watching it in the stands with my parents may have had a Coors Light or two before I fired off a couple tweets, but like the Twitter thing is fascinating to me because it's it's a large scale message that he's putting out that he thinks is like this flippant thing, but people don't take it as that. And I think that retweet, if it comes back to bite him in any way, will be another example of that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, I mean, it's also, frankly, it's, you know, it, it, look, I, again, I don't know what happened. I mean, we're seeing this in real time. Even if I kind of figure it out, we'll put nuggets into the into rebelgrove.com. I'll, I'll do my best to to get more in depth, but we're reacting to this without my ability to answer phone calls or take phone calls or do anything from the standpoint of, of diving deeper. 
it also could be one of those deals, though, and, it, and, it, and this is what's interesting. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of – God, it's going to be a really bad comparison in a way, but hang with me for a second. Sure. It's almost kind of like baseball recruiting now because a lot of the baseball recruiting, because there's unequal playing fields between Vanderbilt and Ole Miss and Georgia and whomever, is not only do I want that kid and I've got to get that kid and I might have to pay that kid more, but is it is that kid worth it? Because everybody's kind of got a salary cap. I mean, I, again, I don't know, but Marcel Reed opened up these questions when he tweets something about hashtag NIL. It's also possible Ole Miss has the money, but simply said, look, we're not giving you that level of money required. I mean, does that, does that make sense? I mean, that's at least an option to consider here is that, you know, A&M goes, nope, 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 we'll give you whatever this dollar is. And Ole Miss goes, you're not worth that. So, yes, we'll give you whatever the competitive thing is, whatever the NIL package is that we have set up for you, but we're not going to sit here and just blow our entire deal on something that we do not believe you're at that point. Because, look, Marcel Reed is very, very talented. He's also been seen as some level of project where nobody's exactly sure what's going to come out and what's going to come out immediately versus one year or two years or wherever in his development. So some of this is also potentially being laying going, hey, if you want to do that, go ahead, have at it. And you're at that point, you're just gambling that it doesn't pay off and he doesn't become the next coming of Johnny Manziel instead. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something I got into with Jason Belzer on this podcast. He uh, or on the podcast that we referenced earlier on the Rippy Wrights show is he so that kid from uh, that Tennessee got after the California kid, I think is where he is. And they had those absurd rumors yes. that he what he signed like a seven million NIL deal. Um, Belzer, without fooling too much, basically called bullshit on that whole thing. He's like, I just don't believe that. I don't think anyone's going to pay that. And that was a conversation that we got into regarding like what these kids are actually worth as 18 year old kids, as happy as we are to see them get paid. Well, how is the how is the Rashada that went to Miami or Florida, wherever he's going to go now, and that NIL figure? How is that like? We always got back to fair market value, which is, I guess, technically a legal term about what is fair market value, and that dives into a lot of different things in terms of what's legal, what's not. Um, some lawsuits that I think will eventually come from this NIL thing. What is fair market value? There's no way to determine that now because all this NIL thing has done is taken the underbelly of college football and made it public. You know, all that money in those Chick-fil-A bags, that's not a fair market value in mind. That's to get you to our school and as opposed to some other school. But now when you're running it a little bit like a salary cap in terms of the funds you have available to you, what is fair market value? Quinn Ewers, I covered that game at South Lake Carroll, like the first game after Quinn Ewers skipped his senior year. People still a little chapped about that up there in the old uh, South Lake uh, Carroll press box. It's like, well, what happened to him? He takes that NIL deal from Ohio State. Does he get all of that money? Because he's now at Texas. What happens there? It does open up a, a question and a conversation about what is fair market value? What are these kids actually worth? And is this a situation where the kid wanted more money and Lane was like, I'm just not doing that. I'm not giving that much of our NIL funds to a kid who's never taken a snap in major college football. It's the Andy Staples quote that he has all the time. 17 year old kids are bad investments. That's another aspect to think about this whole wild west of recruiting. And I tend to side with the coach and the program and all that. Are you really going to give $3 million to a kid that could just as easily be a Shea Patterson? That doesn't seem like a great investment. And it brings it back there will eventually be a market equilibrium because these rich guys didn't get rich 
by making these terrible investments. Maybe it's just seen as a donation because they like to be in the game and things will always stay the same. But I do have a hard time believing these high school quarterbacks will continue to get seven figures when the results of them panning out versus not is just not in their favor in terms of gaining that amount of capital. Well, there's a pride thing with that, too, because that kid, you know, the guy gets sent up, you know, he gets publicly known to be tied to that kid and the kid ends up not panning out. He might sucks or whatever. And suddenly that guy's buddies are going, hey, why would you pay 300000 for him? Ha, 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 And almost kind of making fun of him or whatever. I mean, yeah. no, no, no. The, 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 you have to assume a market correction. Maybe it's me just praying for a market correction because how dumb some of this stuff is. It's I don't know. But either way, it does appear to be that case. But no, I you would much rather spend your money. Now, look, you got to do some player procurement. It is what it is. You're 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 paying kids to to show up. You're paying pretty much every. I mean, you're paying every four star and five star, and hell, you're probably paying a good many three stars too. Now, I mean, there's 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 kids that you know five ten years ago you'd barely know their names, and now they're wanting something for for anything. I mean, Lane talked about that a couple weeks ago. He said almost every every conversation begins now with, "Hey, what's the NIL situation at the school you're at?" No matter where the kid is in the pecking order, but. I guess my point is player retainment and raises make more sense. I mean, no, no, it, it, I didn't yes. bat an eye, and I think it was a very good investment. To, you know, you, you you end up – and, again, it's it's in a way, this is even more real NIL than pay-for-play because it, it's not what got him to campus. The exposure is higher. There are ways for more marketability. I mean, you can sort of squint and get there. But Quinshawn Judkins – giving that dude more money makes more sense than a high school kid because you know exactly there with proof of concept what you're getting with him. So, again, you've got to pay to bring in high school kids. It just is the way of the world we're in. But, no, every kid has a limit to what they're worth and what what, what percentage of your total war chest can be due him based off what the perceived talent level is. So, again, could that be what happened here? Could they simply have gotten beat in recruiting with 48 hours to go? I don't know. I mean, again, we're real time. I have no clue what exactly happened, but as I talk through it, I have a hunch that A&M made a point to do whatever was required to get a win, maybe to get their quarterback, maybe just to get one over on Lane Kiffin, considering what he and Jimbo go at each other and do from time to time and time and time, because I don't even necessarily think it's Lane ever making fun of A&M's money. I think it's making fun of A&M's failures with the money. That it's the fact that they have all that and yet they still lose so many damn football games. And without getting into the exact same conversation I had with Belzer, but one of the things that he talked about was like, yeah, I saw that Ole Miss had that announcement with the $10 million NIL. He's like, I'd be actually shocked if all of that is money in the bank account today. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But I'm more curious from the standpoint, if you sign a high school kid, and this is one of the conversations we got into about potential lawsuits and, you know, two, three years in, this becoming a lot more messy than it just being the wild world of recruiting is say you sign, I'm just making up a number here. Say X school sign Marcel Reed or Y quarterback, whoever you want to put in there to a $2 million NIL deal or promised him that if he comes to X school, what are the odds that that school actually has the NIL money to guarantee that that's the amount of money the kid's going to receive year over year or whatever it doesn't seem very likely. And so now you get into a scenario where it's almost like a, someone trying to cover a bookie or something like that, where it's like, oh, we got this kid here. We paid him for the first year. We had a bad year. How do we go figure out how to honor this 
quote unquote contract. And it does seem like a lot of the NIL stuff prevents it from being a four year thing or something like that. There does seem to be some legal uh, structure to where it can't be more than a year. But you make all these promises to these high school kids where these high paid like these high paid contracts or whatever you want to call it. And there's no guarantee the schools have the funds in their bank account to cover it over the course of the three, four year career the kid's going to have there. So how does that work? Is it smarter to go to the portal now for quarterbacks specifically who are going to get most of the NIL money because it's proof of concept, like you just said, and the fact that you know exactly what you're getting and you feel better about committing it. And there's honestly with them being in the portal less years to commit, if that makes any sense. Like, how do you guarantee a kid out of high school he's going to make that kind of money all the years through if you go five and seven twice? No, because you've heard, I mean, we've seen stuff from both directions already. We've heard from pretty reputable people about certain schools, not Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss has, frankly, managed their money and the situation better than almost anybody in the country, just as far as kind of how they went about it and and what's there and what they've offered, and they've been much more structured with it. But, no, you've had schools that have had to almost kind of go find it week and week and month to month to pay some of these bills and all these different things because you don't know what tomorrow is. And it's an emotional sport and it's an emotional business. So even if you tell a kid, hey, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get this this month and next month and this week and this week and all this all, all this stuff. Well, you don't know that tomorrow some higher level recruit in a different position is going to come in and you're not going to you're going to promise something to him, too, because you can't lose him. And at that point, you're just in this game and you're it's gambling. I mean, it's what you're doing. I mean, it's the same sort of vice in some ways as gambling because it's this emotional rush to just acquire as much you know chips if you will for or whatever um to do that so the money that's going to player a well suddenly that might get turned to player b and you just have to figure out player a later or hey we've got the money we, we've got the money for six months well that gives us six months to find the next six months and all these contracts or at least a lot of these contracts are very loose because they can't have a lot of ability, a liability on every side. I mean, there has to be the thing in there that you said and mentioned with Quinn Ewers, where if a kid leaves a school, tear it up. It's no longer applicable. You don't make a dime if you leave the school that this collective is associated with. But then on the other side, it doesn't necessarily protect the kid all the way either. There's plenty of clauses in there for reasons why the kid wouldn't get money or wouldn't do this or wouldn't do that. And I mean, here's where this thing really gets complicated. And we know this from Mississippi being pretty lax and loosening and doing all they can to be program friendly. The law makes a huge difference. What state you're in makes a huge difference. Where you are, what what the legality is. There are some states where you need the real quid pro quo, where that kid has got to do a task or has got to market or has got to perform something that you do for – we say market value in quotes, but as you mentioned, there is no market value that doesn't exist. Nobody knows what any market value is, but you have to do something. Then there's states like Mississippi where it's not even a quid pro quo. It is just simply the ability to do something with the rights if you choose to do that. Well, that's an entirely different animal than than the other and a much looser interpretation of a lot of laws that seems to be fine. I mean, the NCAA is not trying to beat anybody's door down to punish this. But no, there's there, there's no. I mean, long story short, there's no proof at all. There's no guarantee that the money's coming. Everyone, or not everyone, a lot of people are simply spinning their wheels trying to get this thing done month over month, and just acquire whoever they can acquire and move on from there. So, I mean, I'll say this: 
I was interested in Marcel Reed's career because he was signing with Ole Miss. I'm still really interested in his career because it is up to him now to determine whether he is worth whatever this number ends up being. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you by Walk-On Sports Bistro. They put everything they've got into bringing you game day with the taste of Louisiana. Dig into their mouth-watering, made-from-scratch Louisiana cuisine, po'boys, gumbo, voodoo shrimp, plus fan favorites like juicy burgers and fresh salads, all in front of 70-plus TVs, 40-plus ice-cold beers on tap. Check them out in Oxford or Ridgeland today. Go to deadsoxy.com, promo code REBELGROVE. Get the best socks you've ever put on your feet for 25% off. Again, deadsoxy.com, promo code REBELGROVE. The College Corners, your one-stop Rebel Shop. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. You can also go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can visit them on Facebook and Instagram. They have the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. We're also brought to you by The Rogue, 4450 I-55 North in Jackson, or therogue.com. It's your destination for fine men's clothing. Brought to you by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, different names, same great products and services. If you live in Oxford, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. A-Stock Auctions is a Nashville-based online auction company with the mission to provide customers the power to name their price. All items at A-Stock start at just a dollar. That's right. Every item starts at just one dollar. Shop now at astock.bid or download their app. Name your price on thousands of items from big-name retailers. A-Stock Auctions has multiple locations around Nashville that offer local pickups. So don't miss out. If you want it, bid it, win it. Uh, brought to you by Solutions Rx. It's a probiotic, multivitamin supplement company created by Ole Miss Pharmacy alum Chris Cornelison. It's pharmaceutical grade, manufactured right here inside the U.S. Under the highest standards based out of Iuka, Mississippi. If you take diabetes, high blood pressure, or cholesterol medications, you know those typically cause some side effects. Muscle pain, brain fog, energy loss. It's just due to a depletion of minerals and vitamins in the body. Chris formulated a product called Prescription Support. Puts those vitamins back into your body. Helps with those side effects, helps you stay compliant. Uh, taking your medications keeps you healthier over the long term. It's solutionsrx.com. Type in promo code OEP at checkout, get 10% off your first order. Game Changer patches are the only two patch system available in the market to stop hangovers before they start. The warm up patch used before or while you drink, the overtime patch used after you've been drinking to recover while you sleep. The all natural ingredients will keep you in the game, ready for the next play. GameChangerPatch.com, promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. ACS is owned and operated by my friend Clay McNutt in Baldwin, Mississippi. It's a complete electrical control system solution provider and a Rockwell automation recognized system integrator. ACS has a full-time dedicated emergency service and troubleshooting staff and a UL508A panel shop. To learn more, go to ACSLLCMS.com. Or call 662-601-4381. We're brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford has been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, you name it. They're the gold standard in fine jewelry. Visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. And we're brought to you by Pinnacle. They're based in Madison, Mississippi, but they have clients in more than 20 states advisors in multiple states. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much, much more. To learn more, go to mypinwealth.com, M-Y-P-I-N-N, wealth.com. 
com. Yep. And, you know, once I mean, eventually there's going to come a point where they're involved and it'll get just super messy, which to kind of put a bow on like the conversation I have with Belzer is like, this probably is a stopgap. This is not sustainable. You can't do this for a decade. There's just no way. There's not, I mean, I say there's not enough money. I don't think there's enough money in terms of people would be willing to donate to keep everybody happy all the time without lawyers getting involved. And when they do, that just becomes a real uh, hairy situation, for the lack of a better phrase. Just kind of curious, did you, uh, considering what we just watched yesterday, did you have a soccer corner on your show today? No, Walter and I are going to do it on Wednesday night. What a perfect time for a beautiful soccer corner. So uh, MC hates football, uh, the American version of football. She thinks it's unsafe. Hold Um, on, really? I didn't know this. So she doesn't hate football. She plays fantasy. I think she understands the benefit of me discussing football all the time. (laughs) But she finds uh, sports like soccer more appealing from the safety nature of it. So she wanted to watch the World Cup on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I would have probably flipped the thing on regardless. But we got up and we watched the World Cup. And we're just treated to this incredible soccer game that by all intents and purposes was basically like LeBron and Kobe or LeBron and Giannis just going at it in a game to decide everything. And it seemed pretty awesome. So congrats to the soccer world on that. I, as soon as the game ended, flipped to red zone. I'll probably not be converted to that degree, but uh, it sounded like just an absolutely historic um, World Cup final and was very compelling television to watch. As much as I like to poke fun at soccer sometimes, it was very good TV. Will you be in the not to any high level? I mean, you neither you nor I am going to become some soccer hooligan over the next years or anything or whatever. I mean, it's just not the way our, our, we're, we're wired. But do you find yourself at least having a more working knowledge leading up to twenty six with it being in America and the United States team getting better and being a young team that should be fairly competitive in four years? I mean, do you, do you think you'll know more about the American soccer team in four years than you knew about this American soccer team heading into this World Cup? Yeah, I think I already do. I became fascinated with some of the players. We watched that England match, a little bit of it at your house or whatever, and then I kind of read some stuff about it and was like, okay, seems like they actually have some talent going on here. So, yeah, I will be more invested in it. Uh, ever since we started this kind of spoof soccer corner that has turned into like an actual soccer discussion segment, I mean, we get emails from dudes that are like, no comment on West Ham, whatever. I'm like, no, nah, I had a bunch of shit going on that day, guy. I couldn't, couldn't tune in for that one. But it has made me more interested in kind of the business of soccer and all of that and how these English Premier Leagues and all these other leagues work and the strategy and stuff behind it. The thing that I will never be able to – I feel like the threshold I will never be able to cross is critiquing on-field play. And from what I understand, there's really not a lot to critique other than formations and substitutions, because they'll just sack managers left and right. You think this college football stuff is crazy? No. You you do one wrong thing and lose a match in the English Premier League, you're done, buddy. I mean, the Les- Le- Leicester City was the greatest historical upset, I think, in Vegas history, the fact that they won the English Premier League. You know that guy, they fired their manager the next year? Can you imagine if someone won a national title at, like, Southern Miss or something – like a football national title would be the equivalent from an odd standpoint. And they started three and three the next year. And he was like, you're out of here. Like but in American sports, they'd at least build a statue for that. So they're so cutthroat from that aspect of it. I guess to get to my long belabored point, 
I won't ever be get to the point where I can critique on field stuff where it's like, why does he have these two guys playing here? Cause one, the internet soccer people that are real soccer guys are very angry about that kind of stuff. And you can't just wade into their waters as a casual. So I'll be more interested, but there is a level, there's a glass ceiling that I will never conquer. Cause it's really just not worth the hassle. I did not know that Leicester city fired their manager of the year after that happened. Cause yeah, there's that a- was like the main, I mean, literally, yeah, it was the biggest upset ever from a winning the whole thing standpoint. There was one this year, a, a manager for an EPL club. I don't know if he got sacked, as the British like to say it, or just left. But he went, he got, he lost his job at one other club, whether he left his own, and then got hired by another club, and they played his former club that week. So imagine if you like Lane Kiffin left for Auburn, and then Ole Miss Auburn happened, and it was like, boom, he's just on the other side. It's nuts in that world over there. We got it easy. So you're telling me there is a world where Mike Bianco gets fired this spring? Yeah. If, if this were European soccer, he'd get fired and say, like, uh, Alabama picked him up. And then the Ole Miss Alabama series two weeks later, that would just be five in his old home dugout. Just, what's up? I'm here. What's happening? Mike would not have made it 21 years in the EPL, would he have? No shot. No shot. Um <laughs> He loses that school day game to UAB back to back double headers. He's out. He is out. He could have been as you know big of a you know what to reporters as he wanted to because they don't seem to care over there. But in terms of lasting yeah. twenty one years, zero shot. He'd be done. What is the longest tenured manager in the EPL? Do you know? No, that's a great question. I'm going to look it up while we're just here. I, it can't be more. I mean, if someone was like eighteen months, this guy's really stuck it out for a while. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, Let's see. They all dress pretty well. Uh, Jurgen yeah. Klopp, I think. Where's he? He or Sir Alex Ferguson served at one club from '86 to 2013. I'm just going off Google. '86. Uh, yeah. So this guy really had it going on. I don't know who he had working his PR. Uh. Let's try currently. Let's throw that in the Google search. It sounds like Jurgen Klopp. I, I'll get a con- more concrete answer on this, but okay. uh, the the fact that they're bringing up a guy from '86 does not uh does not seem. Oh no, there we go. All right, number five. We got a guy on the list is Leeds. He's actually gone because they have the real life Ted Lasso there. They had one guy who was at Burnley from October of 2012 to when this article was written in 2019. And he has since been fired. So the longest one when this article was written was seven years. The real life Ted Lasso? Not the real life Ted Lasso. There's an American at Leeds named Jesse Marsh, who they all call a wanker, didn't know what he was doing. He kept him in the Premier League and drank beers with them in the clubhouse after. So, like, he's basically the real life version. He's done a good job? Uh, I don't know. He's got a bunch of Americans. They're not going to get relegated. But uh, they're they're not they're not competing for the cup or whatever this is. So I don't know if it's a good gig, but he's kept it and as an American wanker. Okay. Uh, I talked to well, I mean, I didn't. There was a media opportunity with multiple players today. We talked to JJ Pegues, Tavius Robinson, and DeAndre Prince. All talking about not having any opt outs. Everybody showing up for the bowl game there on December twenty eighth in Houston. Lane sort of said, hey, that's really good, but it also means we don't have a lot of first-rounders because then they would be more likely to opt out. So there's a there's a plus and a minus to uh, to that situation. 
and I get it's not the end of the world. I know it's not really going to help recruiting. I know it's not a big deal in some ways. But, and you know, I, sometimes we forget that there are games. I mean, you're recruiting to play on the field. I mean, on the field is what actually matters uh, here. My point in that is I thought a couple weeks ago this was a game Ole Miss needed to win for sort of program morale, for getting to nine wins again. I thought there were some benchmarks they could kind of hit by doing this. And I think I still feel that way. I mean, I get this. If you lose, look, I mean, it's not the end of the world. Nothing probably changes from a tangible standpoint. But Texas Tech's not a great football team. Ole Miss having everybody show up, they were able to, you know, they kept Lane. They had sort of a weird offseason in a lot of ways. Recruiting is what it is right now. Where do you sort of fall on this? How is there a level of importance at all to Ole Miss's ball game on December the 28th? I didn't decide with no. Um, I I I see where you're coming from for sure. But like with the Sugar Bowl last year, if they'd have won that game, Corral stays healthy. I think the kind of media bump they would have gotten would have been even larger heading into year three of Lane Kiffin. Tours with this one, I just don't know. I do think it, it it's not insignificant that uh, no one has opted out. I do more tend to side with Lane's aspect of it of like, Hey, we don't have a bunch of first and second day guys here. So like, I don't know what they're opting out for, but I do think it speaks to the culture he's created in terms of uh, the team seem to like each other. He hasn't had any teams where it's like, these guys are just playing out the string. They don't really want to be here. They don't really like each other type of thing. It does seem like he has had a couple back-to-back teams that have had pretty good success that seem to enjoy being around each other. And I think the lack of opt-outs speaks to that. But my thing is, is like, you mentioned everything like the Texas tech is not a very, like a great program, great team. If they lose it, it would just be kind of like, Oh my God, like, where are they going with this? But what is it if they win it? Like, is it just like they beat Texas tech in a soulless NFL venue? Like what is the momentum from winning that game other than just winning your last game, which to your point, these games are played on the field. As much as we lose track of that, I do think it is important. I just don't know win versus loss that I'll evaluate them any differently. I already have my mindset to 2023. Uh, Honestly, my first reaction was, oh, damn, they open up basketball the same day, like four hours earlier was my first reaction when I learned about where this bowl game was and all that. Like, what is the benefit of winning this game other than, you know, doing this because you play games to win? Tangibly, I think it is worth three to five spots in the AP preseason top 25. I think that's the only tangible thing because I told Neil this and I think he ended up sort of agreeing with me once I rattled on about it for a minute is that so many of the AP poll voters look at record from the previous season and who's coming back and they place them in a poll and Ole Miss is not going to be like in the top six or anything but I fully expect Ole Miss to be ranked going into next season they've got Lane Kiffin they got Jackson Darth they got Quinshawn Judkins and when you look up and you see nine and four that's going to be worth a couple more spots than eight and five would be that's it I mean, now, again, does that matter? That's up to you to decide whether that matters or not. I mean, that and that goes for not necessarily you, but anybody. But I do think that's the only thing that tangibly matters here. I don't think it affects recruiting one way or the other. I don't think it affects program morale for the most part, even though there'll be some grumbles of losing five of your last six to close the year, including to Texas Tech. I mean, you can stop that negative momentum a little bit, not fully, but sort of with a bowl win. But from a what does it look like on the field? Nothing, but you'll have a different number next to your name. I mean, I think instead of being ranked 21st, you're ranked 17th. 
What about the, I mean, you talk about the real opportunity there. How about not blowing the egg bowl and getting to back-to-back 10 win seasons? You know what I mean? Like that's a lot. And, and you would be at the Outback Bowl right now. You wouldn't be in Texas. That is also true. You would be in the Outback Bowl in Florida, but like that to me was the real missed opportunity. And look, I, wherever this goes, and I know it's a little bit more of a touchy situation because we unfortunately lost Mike Leach in the last couple of weeks, but like, like blowing that game where you're eight and four and now the opposition is what state seven and five or they go eight and four too. I can't remember. They went eight and four too. That seems more significant than anything else because like you could have touted back to back 10 win seasons. Look, they went 10 and three in a year. They lost Matt Corral and had to retool this thing. Like that to me is the most costly of it. And maybe that speaks to your point about why this is important. Maybe let's not lose five of the last six uh, to end the year with the whole coaching search job saga in between so maybe that's where the importance of this is but like i don't know i'm more fascinated with 2023 like they had this golden opportunity this year with the kind of a water down west i get they weren't quite ready for it yet but like they're supposedly going to have another better roster next year they'll have increased expectations but you had alabama and georgia to that you rotate in georgia's your east opponent like how do you view the next year for them because they could have the exact same record or worse and it doesn't mean they're not improving as a program which is a very weird spot which is why i think the way this year ended was totally bizarre and probably might come back to hurt lane kiffin more than people might think if you look at this thing in a five-year bubble nobody can prove it one way or the other but i think if that auburn stuff is not going on they win the egg ball i think it costs them oh, 100 I mean, that was a game that Lane Kiffin did not think they were losing. They were the better team. It, it yeah. I mean, they. I think there was a lot of off-field stuff that that blew that game in a lot of ways. And well, next year, look, they could be a hellaciously good football team, like really, really elite good, and go nine and three. Yeah. I mean, nine and three would take. You know, you lose to Georgia and Alabama, and I know nobody's. You know, look, Bama is going to be a little susceptible. I mean, you're going to have to beat them, but. I don't know that Bama's as scary next year. I mean, I think Georgia is now the one where you go, ah, oh, hell, I don't know. I mean, good luck. Feel free. Have at it. I mean, but, you know, crazier things have happened. But Ole Miss is going to be an underdog in that game. No, uh, eight and four could be a very serviceable, damn good year. I mean, you could you could lose to Georgia, Alabama, for the hell of it, LSU, and one more and be a good football team and go eight and four. It has less relevance you're not this paying for eight and four. At nine million bucks, you're not paying for eight and four. You're not. And I guess my point is, though, next year's going to be weird because if you're not getting in the playoff, all you're doing is setting up for the next season to try to be in that top 12 and get in the playoff. Like, I almost feel like next year is this weird, not recreational year. I don't want to overstate what I'm saying, but it's going to be a strange mental thing with the 12 team playoff on the horizon. Where in some ways, we're going to be looking to the next season while that season is going on because then you're going, no, no, like this is the team that comes back and Judkins is a junior and, hey, they can get into this top 12. That's getting the playoff. And, hey, if you just get in the tournament, ask the Marlins or ask Ole Miss Baseball or whatever, hey, you got a chance. I feel like you're almost kind of doing that. So we're going to, I'm not, not wishing away a season. We'll see what happens. I think Ole Miss has got to sign receivers. We've got to see what some of the defensive line stuff looks like. I mean, there's some there's some issues before we really know what this roster has for next year. But with a substantial change on the horizon to that level, I do. I, I think we're going to look at next year with a little different scope because of what's coming up in 2024. 
I know exactly what you mean. Like it's the last year under the old rules. And then from an old Miss perspective, the schedule is just so damn brutal. It's like in terms of your grandest expectations of what this program could be and what you financially invested in it being, it is kind of a lost cause, right? I mean, I guess crazier things could have happened, but I will be absolutely stunned if Ole Miss goes 11 and one next year, makes the college football playoff, given the schedule in front of him. So I see exactly what you mean without just totally commandeering your own show here. I'm just curious with the portal, the two signing periods and all of that, this is just clearly just light reading topic on Rebel Grove right now. No one's up in arms about this, but how has this changed how you guys cover recruiting and all of this, right? Because when I was in college, it was like a national holiday, right? I mean, people skip class on to watch Kim Dichie and Treadwell and all those dudes sign. And now it's just not the same thing. It's just this random hodgepodge of roster building. And unless you were an already established blue blood, it seems like everyone's just kind of lost trying to figure this whole damn thing out. I'm just curious how it's changed, how you guys value and cover the recruiting process because they could completely miss on a bunch of dudes in this high school recruiting class. I think that will work to their detriment, but they sign portal guys. People are happy about him from a perception standpoint until next August. They're good. People will be pumped about that. I'm just curious, like how has that changed how you guys approach this type of thing? Because y'all been in the business a long time and it was such a certain way for such a long time. And now it just kind of feels like, damn, no one knows what this is. It has shortened the window of relevance on what you think about a recruit because, you know, it's never been the most important thing, what's going on in that next class, but now it is completely almost insignificant outside of, you know, a kid like Centurion Perkins or something like that is in that next class, let's say that 2024 class, and maybe he commits to Ole Miss or where you lose him to Alabama or something, and you go, okay, well, yeah, that really matters for next year, but it's completely crap. You don't know what the NIL situation is in a year. You don't know what your roster is going to look like this season. Nevertheless, the roster going into the next year, you don't know what needs are. You don't know if they're going to need to spend NIL in this place and this place instead of that place. No, the only thing that matters is whatever is just completely immediate in front of your face. I mean, that's the difference. There's no long-range planning for the most part. I mean, you know, you see on Twitter, hey, this kid gets a 2025 offer. Who gives a shit? Like, that doesn't have any in, in, any anything on anything at this point. Um, and I think I'm guilty of it. I think we forget that portal kids don't – they don't sign. December 21st doesn't mean anything to the portal. The portal kids just show up in class in January, and then they're going to go through spring practice – or kids are going to go through spring practice, and then they're going to get pissed off, and they're going to get in the portal for the summer in the after spring period. So, I mean, it just never stops. I mean, I feel like we're covering – I feel like a Major League Baseball beat writer who's worried about the salary cap and his coverage but doesn't know what the actual salary cap is. That's what I feel like. I mean, I, I feel like I know there's like a cap, and but you don't know how much this person has this. You don't know what this is supposed to look like. You don't know anything. I mean, it's, 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 it's as much – Look, you're trying to sign kids. Lane Kiffin was trying to sign high school top 50, top 100 players. He is trying to sign those kind of guys. But for the first time in history, it matters to finish second. I mean, that's never been the case before. We make fun of Ed Orgeron all the time because, you know, he finished second for Joe McKnight. He finished second for Kewen Williams. He finished second for this guy or this guy or this guy. Well, now all of a sudden, if you have a great relationship and you finish second, you kind of go, hey, I'll be seeing you when you jump in the portal in a year or two and – Hey, remember me? Remember how cool this was? We've got some NIL peace. That matters now. I mean, pre-existing relationships suddenly for the second time around are are huge deals. I mean, you you're gonna have kids that 
especially those multi-year transfers, they're going to play a lot more meaningful snaps at their second home than their first home. Because that's yeah. what we don't know about things coming up. We don't know how many kids it, – it's the problem with the sport. It's it, Again, I'm not harping on what, what it's like to be a fan today because it's kind of miserable to be a fan in a lot of ways. But you're going to have a lot of kids that aren't just unhappy. They're just jumping into the portal as time goes on. If something doesn't change, just to see what their value is. Just Because if you're good enough, the current school is going to save your spot. I mean, had, had Quinshawn Judkins jumped into the portal, it wasn't like Ole Miss went, oh, nope, see you, peace. Be, be, be gone with yourself. I mean, his spot would have been there if he wanted it. And I'm just getting just using that as an example. But those kids can get into the portal, go, hey, what's okay, what's your offer? What's your offer? What's your offer? I know my current spot's pretty cool. Cool, I'll go back to school. Nothing's stopping you. You could get into the portal every year and test the waters and then go back to your original location. If, if you're good enough that they're willing to save your spot. And the name of the game now is building depth. And all the market mm-hmm. conditions for all this works against building depth, right? Because we talk about, really, I think still the real way to build depth is through high school kids. And that's why Alabama and Georgia have survived this more so than other schools is because they had just a litany of four and five star kids in the program. But now with this transfer portal thing, you can't get kids to sit anywhere. You don't want they want to play. They want to get on the field. They want to do all that. And then you see Ole Miss when they have the injuries rack up on the defensive side, a couple on the offensive side. That team in September was not the same team in November because of injuries and they didn't have the depth. So how do you build depth in this modern age of college football without having this just treasure trove of depth installed that really only what five programs in the country had, period? You frankly have to build it through multi-year portal guys. They're going to be around for a minute because otherwise, the high school kid who doesn't play, well, he, you, you're, you're not going to see the redshirt junior very often who gets on the field finally and is, is has worked and waited his turn and all. That kid goes somewhere else now. So no, I think it's like multi-year portal stuff for the most part. I mean, look, you're still going to have some kids who are just happy where they are. I mean, there are going to be kids, even if they don't play, go, hey, I just like school here. I've got a girlfriend. I've got this. I'm in this fraternity. Whatever it is. Are those but kids the ticket? Does it matter who you recruit now more than anything else? Can you count on this kid sitting here for two, three years? You know what I no, mean? you can't count on anything. And the 85, in some ways, is going to become meaningless because good luck keeping 85 kids happy enough to stay on scholarship with your with your group. Um you know, now there's some rules with the portal stuff. Like if you get a portal kid, he's sticking on your scholarship number until he exhausts eligibility. But it's why I'm not as worried about it. With the 25 gone and it just being the 85 that matters, well, hardly anybody's getting to that 85. I mean, it's like when, you know, Caden Davis, the kickoff specialist from Texas A&M, he slipped to Ole Miss. And there was a threat about, hey, is he on scholarship? It doesn't really matter. Give him a scholarship. You're not going to fill up. It's going to be okay. There's room for him. And if he's productive, he's worth it no matter what he does, even if it's kickoff. Because it's possible, I don't know this for sure, but it's possible Ole Miss has a kicker, a kickoff guy, and a punter all on scholarship, but it's different humans um, for, for, for all three positions because Caden Costa's back to kick field goals. And then we'll see what happens from a punting standpoint. So, no, it, it, it's a completely different game. It, it's, it's different in so many ways. I mean, I think we're still adjusting. And when I say we, I mean all the networks and recruiting writers at large. I think it's still something of a work in progress of what's going on. And we'll kind of see where that uh where that goes. But as signing day gets here on Wednesday, it is uh it is it is quite the shore. Uh speaking of, there will not be a podcast on Wednesday morning. We never do them on National Signing Day because we're busy flipping switches and filling classes and content and whatnot. 
Lane Kiffin will speak to uh, the media at two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon for his post signing day signing day press conference. However, you want to uh, to phrase that. So, just heads up, that's kind of the plan for Wednesday. And then I think as of now, Neil and I will be back on Thursday morning. I know Brian, you said you were going to talk to Weldon maybe this week. What's uh, what's what's your podcast situation this week? Yeah, we got Weldon. We might do a little bit basketball thing with Bracken. And then I got a couple of other, I don't know, this type of season guests, I'll describe it in terms of just kind of related to football, kind of related to Ole Miss, but just out in general, because there's not a ton going on other than recruiting. So we'll have some other stuff. I might like to have Neil and Siski on after their adventures to Boise. What's the deal with that? So I get the loser of that thing had to go to Boise, but now both of them are traveling out there. What's what? what it looks like a great trip. What 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 we got going on there? They were going the entire time together. It's just that the winner could bundle up. However, it's the loser that has to go to the potato bowl and only a t-shirt um, tomorrow. The t-shirt says something like uh, people for the ethical treatment of potatoes or something along those lines. There's some pro potato slogan that's on the t-shirt, but um, that's what kind that's of insurance package do y'all have? Like what if our guy Neil catches hypothermia? How does that work? <laughs> I think it's going to be okay. Um, he he did land this morning and it was ten, so that's not okay. It needs to be a little warmer than ten, but I think Seems we got cold. a shot to like be in the low thirties on, I guess Tuesday afternoon, whatever day this bowl game is. I think that's right. He is an Eastern Michigan Eagle for the day. Um, Eastern Michigan was working to get him a sideline pass because that will get him potentially close to a heater. Siski did not put in fine print that he if he found a way on the sidelines he could use one of those uh, sideline heaters if he could get access to it. So Neil trying to work the system in that way for uh, for Tuesday afternoon. He has made contact and it looks like uh, become a member of the Eastern Michigan uh, football family for for an afternoon against San Jose State and the Spartans. But they went to Vegas on the way. They went to uh, they went to the Las Vegas Bowl, Florida, Oregon State. They went to Raiders Patriots and saw that crazy ending on Sunday uh, wow. of that game. And then I think I, I didn't listen to the full show today, so maybe I'm wrong. I think they went to the Golden Knights hockey game as well prior to leaving for uh, for Boise, and then now they're in Boise. You got to hit the NHL game. That's like the greatest yes. show in town, and wherever you go. I told you I was before I left Dallas. I was getting in on like a quarter half season ticket package deal. Hockey games are the best. You got to hit one wherever yeah. you. Yeah, so I think they got a little NHL there uh, there as well. But anyway, appreciate the pitch hit tonight. You've got a podcast up here on the network as we speak. Again, you'll talk to Weldon on Wednesday, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. Talk to everybody. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.